We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey folks, welcome in to the Hook'em Hoops podcast. Tommy Arsh alongside Jason Kinander, your best sources for Texas hoops. And Jason, a big win for the Longhorns against TCU on the road. I know it's bittersweet for you as the TCU truther <laughs> here at the Field of 68, but uh, nonetheless, still a really nice win on the road against a tough TCU team. They come out and just punch Texas in the mouth. They go up by 10 in this game early, and Texas kind of struggled a little bit for the opening parts of the game offensively, but they come back to hold a double-digit lead at halftime and then close it out thanks to Max Acemas, uh going Tracy McGrady-esque. Not, not, as, not as fast as Tracy McGrady did it, but uh, nonetheless turning it on at the end of the game to give Texas a 10-point or 11-point win. Jason, overall thoughts on the game? Clean game for Texas. Probably their cleanest game of the season, especially in a hostile environment at Schollmeyer Arena. Texas really did control the pace for about 80 to 90% of this game, which was huge. You said that they led by 10 at the end of the first half. In a first half where at one point they trailed by 10. And so Texas really scored a burst, and it was good to see the offense be able to fill it up. They filled it up in transition. They shot well from three, 50% from three on the game. And at the free throw line, too, down the stretch, especially with Max Acemas scoring the last 13 points of the game for Texas, he stepped up in a big way. Just another one of those moments for him this season where he has asserted himself as the true leader of this team and as one of the best players in the conference. But, Tommy, overall, this was the most complete win of the season for Texas for me. They beat a good TCU team, a ranked TCU team, by 11 on their home court. And as you mentioned, being the TCU true through the field of 68, I'm super relieved that Texas no longer has to face TCU in a major sport. They don't have TCU on the schedule for next season in basketball and football. And so now I can follow Texas, cover Texas and cheer for TCU as well. And so it's a, uh, can't complain, can't complain. Great win. And uh, was super impressed. I know that we, there's a lot to talk about with this. All the starters played good minutes. Dylan DeSue had another good game. Dylan Mitchell had another double-double. He's really finding his stride at this point of the season. And, Tommy, the big highlight in the starting lineup was Kendall Weaver getting the start. So what did you think about what RT did with the lineups, and how do you think it contributed to the outcome of the game? 
Yeah, Jason, I think we're going to need a little bit more sample size first. I know on the last episode, I mentioned that I would still keep Kendall Weaver coming off the bench just because I think he gave you that burst of energy when you maybe had some tired legs on the floor. But I mean, so far, so good. Like we know he's in the starting lineup because he's going to play great defense, right? He's going to probably guard the opposing team's biggest offensive threat, the guard position. And if he keeps doing that at a really high level, then there's going to be no reason for Ronnie Terry to move him out of the starting lineup. And he could probably stay there for the rest of the year. And then he gives you seven points as well. Texas doesn't need him to score 10, 15, 20 points a night. You've got that with Max Acemus. You've got that with Dylan Masu. Tyrese Hunter can get you that occasionally. So if he's going out there and playing sound defense, then he's fulfilling his role. And that's exactly what Texas needs. Now, Back to the game too, Jason, and one thing that I think Weaver does really well is rebound. And Texas in this game out-rebounds TCU 34-21. to We talked after the Houston game about how this maybe that loss will teach the Longhorns that rebounding is going to win you games, not just in the Big 12, but in the tournament too when it gets to that point in time. Such a big factor just in basketball in general. And when you're plus 13 in the rebounds column – you have a really good chance of winning games. And that's exactly how this turned out for Texas. They win by double digits like we've been talking about. So maybe thank Kelvin Sampson a little bit for teaching them that lesson on physicality and and getting some rebounds and forcing your way down low to box out the opposing team. So that really stood out to me, Jason. I'm curious, is there anything else when you look at the box score or just the game back in general that makes you say, man, Texas learned something from this little bit of a long break here before coming into this game that that turned the corner for him a little bit. Tommy, they're defending the three-pointer a lot better, and it's not necessarily closing out on three-point shooters. It's preventing the free ball. Travian Tennyson coming into the game for TCU was shooting 48% from three, the number two three-point shooter in the country. And T- Texas had held him to just three attempts on the night. Kendall Weaver Dude was doing part to that. Max Ace was playing good defense on Tennyson as well. And I just keep thinking back to that Houston game when Rodney Terry switched Tyrese Hunter, who was supposed to be established as Texas's best defender, off of Jamal Shedd when he hit 25 points and put Kendall Weaver on him. Shedd just wasn't getting shot opportunities. It wasn't that he was missing shots. He just wasn't able to get shots off. And so, you know, Rodney Terry inserting Weaver into the starting lineup is an excellent move because now you have the athleticism that can match any team in the country. You have three good defenders in Weaver, Hunter on most nights, and Dylan Mitchell. And you have a guy in Kendall Weaver who, when called upon, can't score the ball. I mean, he scored 15 points against BYU. Last season, he was a great three-point shooter as a freshman at UT Arlington. And so as his role continues to expand, he's been up in over 25 minutes the last three games. As his role continues to expand, we're going to see him shoot the ball more naturally. But you're right. They don't need that out of him. And he's just contributing to winning, which is huge. That's why I love the move from Rodney Terry. Big fan that he did that. Uh Yeah, I mean, that's really all I have on the win. The implications behind this, though, are massive. Texas is now up to number 31 in the net rankings, which puts them at a near lock for the tournament unless they really slip up down the stretch. They have two games at home against West Virginia and Oklahoma State they cannot afford to lose. And as long as they win those and win one more quad one game the rest of the way, they have good opportunity tonight against Iowa State that we'll talk about here in a couple of minutes. But if they win one more quad one game and can fend off those bottom feeders, Tommy, this team's going to be in the tournament and they're not going to be the 11 or 10 seed that we talked about as late as a week ago. 
Right now, they look like a six or a seven seed, maybe even better if they keep winning. So the implications behind this are massive. How do you see – where do you see Texas' tournament stock going from here? Because I don't think any of us, either of us, anyone around the – pro, well, maybe the people around the program, but any of the Texas fans or people following this, this team this season expected this kind of rise over the last few weeks. Yeah, Jason, you and I were just talking before we started recording about how wild of the last three weeks it's been with this team where we're on the fence. Are they going to make it in? Are they not going to make it in? You know, I, even in the last episode, I said, I'm I'm not sold on Texas making the tournament after losing to Houston. And then they come out and beat TCU by double digits. So um, they're on the right side of the bubble. And I think they're slipping off the bubble into the into the solid tournament picture, like you mentioned. And a big reason for that, Jason, and kind of going back a little bit more to the TCU game, maybe one last point here. Texas is playing good defense the last few games. Now, they're not playing elite defense. Oh, yeah, they because- are. Because they're not, you know, they're still giving TCU still shot 50% from the field and 58% from three. So I'm not going to come on here and say that Texas is playing elite national championship caliber worthy defense. But considering where they were a month ago, they have drastically improved in that department. I think you tip your cap to Kendall Weaver for for part of that. But once again, Texas holds a team to one of seven from the field down the stretch. They've done that several times this year. I think they did it against Baylor. Um, and there's one other game that's that's slipping my mind right now that they've done it too. Oklahoma, I think as well. Mm-hmm. The Sooners really struggled down the stretch. So they're finishing strong down the stretch defensively. They come up with 11 steals in this game. And that's just, you know. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. They lose the turnover battle, but still generate 11 steals. That's 11 more possessions that they can go down and score on. And in a 10-point win, you have to kind of look back at that stat. So the Longhorns playing better defense is a big reason why they're in the tournament picture as a solid candidate now and they've built the resume to be as solid as it is so like you mentioned you still have to win those bottom feeder games against West Virginia who got you earlier in the season on their home floor they come into Austin now and it's 
I don't want to say any game in the Big 12 is easy, but it is a little bit easier. And then you've got Oklahoma State, who just has quite frankly, just been really bad this year. Um, so that should be another another game that Texas should win. But like you mentioned, you still need to get one more quad one win, I think, and two really wouldn't hurt. Uh, a good opportunity coming up tonight against Iowa State, although that is a really tough match. We say that every game, but let's be real. It's another yeah. tough matchup yep. against Iowa State. Um, and then you've got other games. Like I said on the last pod, on the last episode, I think we've got, what six quad one games in the last 10 for texas and five of those are away so you've got a home quad one game coming up here against iowa state i think a, a win tonight would would really bolster their resume a lot more um just like frankly any other win coming up would would severely bolster their resume but yeah jason i you're on the money i think that that texas is inching closer to being a lock for the tournament yeah and they still have plenty of resume-building opportunities to increase their seating. They face Iowa State tonight, quad one opportunity, West Virginia on Saturday. That'll be a nice, not necessarily a get-back game because they're playing good, but it'll be a nice game where you hope they don't take their foot off the gas pedal, but it should be a step below some of these tight matchups that they've been playing in seemingly every game. And then you go on the road and face Houston that next Saturday, which is going to be quite the game and uh, quite the test for Texas. Not expecting a whole lot there. And then you host Kansas State and then you head to Lawrence. And so Texas has probably already had its conference play defining stretch. Like we're not going to view this team as a contender unless somehow they rattle off two improbable road wins against Houston and Kansas. And if that happens, we will certainly talk about all the implications behind it. But I don't think it's going to happen. So they face Iowa State on Tuesday. Nice game for Texas because I truly do think that this is a good matchup. Now, two names to watch for, three names to watch for on this Iowa State team. First of all, the guard combo is one of the better guard combos in the country. Kashawn Gilbert, the transfer out of UNLV, is playing some really good basketball for the Cyclones. Led them in scoring against Baylor on Saturday night. Hit the big dagger against Kansas at home last Saturday. And so Kashawn Gilbert's playing the best basketball of his career. And then Taman Lipsy is one of the best passers in the country. One of the better players in the conference Texas is going to have to contain those two at the guard position but one player for Iowa State that I'm especially excited to watch is a freshman out of Pewaukee Wisconsin Milan Monsilovich he has been playing some awesome basketball and I think that it's going to be a nice test for Dylan DeSue to face a player on defense who has a pretty similar shot range shot package to him Monsilovich operates in the mid-range from the perimeter posts up you know, Dylan DeSue isn't the best defender on this Texas team. But against a freshman as a fifth-year senior, maybe he can build some confidence in this game, especially on the home court. Now, Texas hasn't looked good on the home court. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts, one, on the game, and two, why does Texas play better on the road than at home? As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th, and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. 
1-888-532-1518. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field 158. That's two very good questions. So we'll we'll touch on them separate. We'll start with the game here. Um, you and I basically had the same notes for Iowa State, which is really funny. Mom Silovich uh, was the first first thing that I put down. You know, he he's just been fantastic. There's no other there's no other way to put it. And it's 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 insane to me that he's their third leading scorer, considering how well he's been playing all year, but nonetheless, they need to make sure that he's defended well. So it is a big deal in the Sioux game, and that experience should be paramount for the Sioux. But at the same time, Bob Silvis is just hooping, man. Like he is, he is hard to guard no matter who you put on him. And he's got enough experience under his belt. I think, you know, coaches use this term all the time with freshmen when they get to the midway point or past the midway point of the season especially in conferences like the big 12, like you're basically a sophomore now with how much experience you've got under your belt. So um, that, that stands out to me. I think he's going to be obviously big and TJ Otzelberger, once again, man, just has the cyclones rolling, but they do tend to struggle once this February into March window hits. They kind of did a little bit last year as they were heading closer mm -hmm. to tournament mm -hmm. season and, and Texas has had success against them in the past. So that's what intrigues me about this game, even though I think they're, well, not even I think, they are a probably about a half second away from being 6-2 and two in conference play after Momsilovich hit what would have been the game-winning shot against Baylor in yep. just a officiating debacle. We don't even, we can't dive into that because we'll talk for three hours about that. But um, you mentioned the backcourt of Lipsy and Gilbert, Jason defensively they've been so good they combined mm. for five steals a night and so mm. Texas is going to have to be really 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 sound with the ball they've had some games where turnovers get the best of them so they can't let that happen and then I think obviously being able to be plus in the rebound column again would be huge for them here on their home floor now why does Texas play better on the road against teams versus playing better at home I have absolutely no idea I think Texas, I thought coming into this year that Texas had established a real deal home court advantage. And I still think that they have one, but you also have to think that the two teams that Texas has had in years past at the Moody Center have been very different than the one that they have right now. Those two teams in the two years, a lot of experience and a lot of experience together. So yeah. maybe that's a big reason why, but... Nonetheless, you have to be better on your home court, and here's a good chance for you to bounce back against a very good Iowa State team. Not not as good as Houston, I would say, because Houston, you know, you can. Yeah, I think I think Houston is a is a excusable, for lack of a better term, home loss because they're you know just top to bottom. I think the best team in the country right now, but still a big challenge coming up at Iowa State, and a good chance for you to defend home court. 
Yeah, and uh, I haven't taken a look at the line yet, but I'm going to assume Texas is probably favored tonight on their home court. You talk about the home court advantage. I just think it just hasn't been the same uh, hasn't been the same home court atmosphere as it was last year. I think part of that is there hasn't been enough, you know, or as much as there was last year of like the you know, basketball related things going on on campus. They used to do some of like the rallies with, you know, the free canes and Chick-fil-A and pizza and stuff. And there really hasn't been any of that this year. And that's not something that falls on the team at all. Um, and so that's not really their fault, but that's just kind of my observation as somebody on campus. Another key for this game that will be played on the actual court is Iowa State's forward play has been really good this year. And these guys are all kind of unsung heroes. They don't get the attention that they probably deserve because they don't necessarily pop in the stat sheet, but they play great defense and they make plays that contribute to winning. It's Trey King, Robert Jones, and Hassan Ward. They do all the little things for Iowa State. They defend incredibly well. Texas's guards are going to need to score, and Texas is going to need to shoot well from the perimeter in this game if they're going to want to win. You mentioned that that uh, Lipsy and Gilbert are both very good defensively, combining for that many steals per night. Texas is going to have to protect the ball as well, even though they beat TCU by double digits. They had 16 turnovers in that game, and so taking care of the basketball, cleaning up those little mistakes, especially against the team in Iowa State, who does all those little things exceptionally well. Even though Texas is going to be on their home court, they're going to have a small margin for error. So when we get to our prediction segment right now, I'm going to say that Texas is going to win this game. I think that the Longhorns are playing their best basketball of the year. They were a called offensive foul on LJ Cryer in that Houston game away from potentially pulling off that upset. And if they had, I mean, we Texas would be ranked right now. Not that the AP poll matters, but they would be ranked after two win, two ranked wins in a week. And they'd be like a five seed right now. And so I think that Texas is playing great basketball. It's a good, not great matchup for them in I, against Iowa State. But it's a Cyclones team that doesn't play well against away from Hilton Coliseum. They just had a heartbreaking loss against Baylor. I don't see them bouncing back against Texas in this game. Aces has been playing really well. D'Souza's been playing really well. And I think it's going to be another big game out of Dylan Mitchell. He's coming into his own. He's playing well on both ends of the court. We're starting to see him shoot the jump shot more. And, hey, if we get another one of those electric dunks, I don't think any of us will complain about that on the fast break. And so I've got Texas in this one. I think that it's going to be a close game throughout. Hopefully the Longhorns will be able to pull out at the end of the game, but they've been shooting the free, they've been shooting free throws exceptionally well. This is something that is surprising the heck out of me because the last couple of years they haven't, especially, you know, 2020 with Chris Beard, you had Jericho Sims breaking every other free throw. And then last year down the stretch in the Miami game, they couldn't hit a free throw to save their life in the elite eight. This year, they actually shoot really well from the free throw line and they're putting the ball in the hands of the right players, Ace Smith and Hunter towards the end of the game. And Kendall Weaver's a good free throw shooter too. And so I think Texas is going to win this game. Curious to hear your prediction, but this is like a seven or an eight on the confidence scale for me. Like this just isn't a matchup that necessarily catches my eye as, oh, they're really going to struggle here like BYU or Houston did. Yeah, I'm with you, Jason. I think Texas wins this game, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is another double-digit win for them, considering the last two times they've played Iowa State in the Moody Center, it's been double-digit wins, and it's been big double-digit wins at that, Jason. And I know I just talked about how this year's team is very different from the last two teams, but at the same time, it, it just feels like Ace Mus is finding his stride. When he is able to struggle as much as he did for 
probably about 85% of the game, and then basically just go on a solo 13 to two run in the last three and a half minutes. It's going to be hard to to defend a guy like that. You know, I was ready to come on the show and be like, well, Max Aismas finally didn't hit his averages. Nope, he still did. And he still gave you 20 points. So um, that's big for me. And then, like you mentioned, I think the other biggest thing is Dylan Mitchell finally being able to seemingly being able to step into a bigger role offensively. If he can Mm -hmm. get you if he can get you double digits and a double double nightly, that's going to be huge for Texas. And I think he's just kind of an anomaly athletically. You mentioned the forward play for Iowa State being so good, but have they seen anyone as athletic and as high flying as Dylan Mitchell this season? So when you pair those things together uh, and the way that Texas has been playing better defensively, I got Texas in this game by double digits. Yeah, I love that call. I'm not I'm not ready to stretch it out to double digits because even though that was a good TCU win, I mean, we were both really confident that, T- that Texas was going to win that game. That was a good matchup for them, and they played that matchup to their advantage throughout the entire game. They're not going to out-rebound Iowa State. I'm just going to say it straight up. Like, if they win, they're going to do it getting out-rebounded. And I think that Texas is probably going to shoot the ball really well. And I think that it's going to be, like I said, a big game for Dylan Mitchell. Like He's playing really good basketball. And he makes a couple of frustrating plays a game because he's still young and he still gets a little ahead of himself and has a bad turnover or two. But he really makes up for it with some of the energy-inducing plays that he makes, like the huge blocks and the windmill dunk. And, yeah, he's shooting the ball a lot more. He's shooting 60% from the field. And so he's an efficient offensive player. So why not expand his usage at this point of the season, especially when Texas is shrinking their lineup down to eight guys per night? You need to get everything that you can out of everyone who's on the court. And Dylan Mitchell's ascension over these last couple of games is the latest example of that. And so that's it for me regarding the Iowa State game. Again, Texas is rolling. They're playing pretty well. Almost beat Houston last Monday, beat TCU on Saturday. We'll have a chance to beat Iowa State tonight. Tommy, my last question for you on today's show. At this point of the season, it's February 6th. What do you see the ceiling and what do you see the floor for Texas being seeding-wise in the NCAA tournament? Well, I think the floor, you could say, is technically just because it's still possible out of the tournament – um, mm. but right now I think a realistic floor is probably that 10, 11 area. Um, but realistic ceiling, I mean, this team could jump to what, seven, maybe six, depending on, I mean, if they finish really strong, you could probably, where they're at right now. you could probably, you could probably see them in that strata in a strat stratosphere. Maybe I could venture to say as high as five, but I would be surprised if they finished mm. that strong, but, um, yeah, I would say that five, six range maybe is, is the ceiling just because they have so many resume building games af- ahead mm-hmm. of them. You know, you've got Houston, you've got Kansas, you've got Texas Tech who's playing really well. Then you've got all, Baylor again. So All on the road. All, all on the road, road too. too. So that's all going to make you look really good if you're able to win. If you're able to win games like that, and if Texas is playing better on the road than they are at home, then that's a good problem to have at this point of the season. I also think it's worth mentioning because I so poignantly mentioned it in our last episode, Texas is no longer in last place in the big 12. Actually, they're not even close. Now they're two games out of last place. And so I don't expect the Longhorns to reach the floor of the conference again this season. That was pretty shocking though, that they were in last place and still like, 
pretty easily projected in the tournament field, and they only keep going up. It's incredibly exciting. Tommy, three weeks ago, we were looking at the schedule ahead and the state of the team after they had lost to UCF and West Virginia. We were just like, man, like, you know, are, are they going to be in the NIT this year? Are they going to be in a playing game? And it looks like, you know, now that the dust has settled, Texas is going to play in the NCAA tournament. I hope I'm not jinxing it because they still have some tough games ahead of them. But really, you look at those games that you mentioned, those four road games, Houston, Kansas, Texas Tech, and Baylor. I mean, they can win one of those games and be still where they currently are at in the net and Ken Palm rankings. And Tommy, if they win two of those games, then their seeding definitely goes up because those are two quad one wins. Through all four of those environments are hostile. Baylor's new arena, Texas Tech hates Texas, and then Houston and Kansas are the two most hostile environments in the conference. And so I'm excited. You know, three weeks ago, I would have been really nervous, but I'm excited to see how Texas plays because a couple of years ago, they went into Allen Fieldhouse and beat Kansas. And I think that this year, we might be angling towards a similar kind of plateau of the conference play season for them. They're playing really well and they're winning on the road. They're starting to do the little things. If they start stop turning the ball over so much and continue to shrink that rebound margin, oh, sky's the limit for this team. I'm getting excited. And, uh, yeah, that's really it for me today. Do you have anything else you want to add before we get out of here? No, I think I think you hit the nail on the head. Some real some real opportunities coming up for, for this team. And it is exciting when you get to this point of the season knowing that you – you've kind of cushioned yourself to wondering more about where they'll end up in March versus if they'll end up in March. So good problems to have, good problems to have, but they've still got to play good basketball and finish out strong. Six weeks away from Selection Sunday. It is such an exciting time. The basketball is only going to get better. Texas playing its best ball of the year. Tommy, great as always to talk to you. Big thanks to the Field of 68 for hosting us once again. We'll be back with y'all before Saturday's game against West Virginia. Longhorns taking out Iowa State tonight. We'll have coverage over on our Twitters as always. And so hope you guys have a good one. Thanks for joining us. See you soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.